previously on AFTN. Eight matches in total. Essentially what happened, they threw flares onto the pitch, mm. similar to what the TSS does. Not <laughs> what, you, guys, you, guys, you guys do light flares. We right? don't throw flares no, onto sorry, the I pitch. Meant to, I meant to say you guys light flares. No, but there's been a yeah, couple we, of, the yeah. first game when you like the, the Yeah, we had some off. smoke that was... Yeah, uh, it was really uh, hard to see from the court. Yeah. So, so <laughs> the, Welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, it is episode 273. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And I know I say this every week, but we have a packed show. I'm glad we're on again early. Because who knows when this one's going to finish. Surprise! It's us again. We are going to cover a lot of things in in this two hours. We're going to talk Whitecaps winning, extending their unbeaten streak to to five matches. Yep, I'm in the glass (laughs) half full camp here. We'll look at the MLS West very briefly. We're going to look at the big MLS news of the week, which was FC Cincinnati are coming into the league. And we're going to speak to Alan Koch about that. Then a lot of Canadian PL stuff. We're going to look at the good and the bad news coming out from BC this week about a team that is going to be here and a team that isn't. Then another team that is going to be here, Cavalry FC. We, we speak to Tommy Fielden Jr., their GM and coach as well. And then there's going to be some TSS Rovers chat, Wavelength, some they're stuff be BC? Tado. Yeah, they're going to move. It's close, I believe. It's, it's closer than Thunder Bay, I've learned that. Because we've got so much to, to cover this week, what we're going to do is we're going to release this show in two episodes. Episode 273 will cover the first three parts, which will be Whitecaps, MLS Chat and FC Cincinnati. Episode 274, which will bring out Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we'll be covering all the Canadian PL stuff and our interviews with Tommy Wilden and stuff about TSS and the, the headlines. So enjoy that. But we will kick things off, as always, with Whitecaps chat. Yes, the Whitecaps won a match. They did not draw 2 all. They probably should have drawn 2 all, but Gashi did not have a chance to... Oh, he did have a chance, but he didn't take his chance. Yeah, no, I think saying they should have drawn 2 all was not, was not fair based I'm, on the game yes, as a whole. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm just being facetious. But I said last week, if the Caps didn't beat Colorado, we don't deserve to be in the playoffs. 
because you have to beat teams like that. So now you think the Caps deserve to they be in the playoffs? They deserve to be in the playoff, I do. It wasn't a classic, it wasn't poor, but it wasn't... It was a solid road performance. Yeah, f- first half was entertaining, second half it was workmanlike. Great game management, I felt, by the Caps. But it wasn't an exciting game to watch, which, as you know... You don't care about. I don't care about. Yeah. It didn't look, though, like two playoff contenders, but the Caps got the job done. Post-game comments, Robbo said it was entertaining. I kind of draw a little bit... Uh, I don't don't agree with him there. I do agree that entertainment factor goes up when you win. Oh, yeah. And when I, you're in the lead, Anthony you don't have to come Hudson, back. though, his post-game comments, and we'll hear a little bit from these guys in, later in this part, he thought Colorado were the better team in the first half, so I have no idea what game he was watching. So, what? Uh, okay, based <laughs> based on the performance, what do you think? One out of ten. We do this every week. What do you think? is? How, how do you rate it? Eight this week. Yeah, I'd say 8.5. Yeah, I, I go out on result as usual, and uh, like you said, 8 is good for me too. Wow. Mr. Whitecaps will have fallen off his seat <laughs> listening to this positivity from the off. Hopefully he's not driving. <laughs> well, he will be. He'll be listening to this hopefully in his drive in the morning he, if we get this out in time. He drives a Mini, so it's probably hard to fall oh. off. <laughs> or he used it, to. I don't know. If anything else is too big for him. <laughs> anyway, the Whitecaps starting lineup. <laughs> Such an early edit. Oh. <laughs> or, or, or you're going to get an email from him. Yeah, I'm going to get a tap on my shoulder at training tomorrow. There was more changes to the starting lineup, which we come to expect now. Completely different back four. Now, when I went to training on Thursday, initially I was worried because they didn't have any centre-backs training. So that was a slight concern. But then Shea, I saw, was on one side and Nerwinski was at the other. And she and him were putting the balls in. Now, because there was no centre-backs there, I thought, oh, that must just be some practice. Our starting defence is over on the other team doing it, <laughs> doing drills. But no, Brexley got the start. Aha came back into the lineup. Daniel Henry, Short. straight back into the lineup yeah. after coming back from Ottawa. Kamara was out. He didn't train on Tuesday, though. Blundell was in. I think the hope was to rekindle pre-season form with Reina. Absolutely. Juarez came in. Yeah, and they they were good. So we'll talk about all these guys probably in part two, about how they all did individually. I just kind of wanted to to set up those changes. But early on, the Caps went for it. Teixeira was in early. Beautiful ball from Brexley that played him in. That I loved that. Yeah. I was watching the game on delay. Um, so I had tweeted out saying, I'm very impressed with Shea so far. So someone replied, see if you think that, basically, at the end of the game. But I wasn't down on him by the end of the game, but it was a lovely ball, setting up to Shera, who seemed to do everything right, couldn't get the yeah. right angle, and then shot into the side. Yeah, just couldn't bend it around Howard or whatever. But he, he looked like a player in form, yep. buoyed by those two goals the the week before. And this is the Christian Teixeira that we've wanted to see. Last year... It took Kakutamani getting shipped out to kind of light a fire under him and think, you know what, I kind of need to perform here or my job could be on the line as well. He's had a slow start to the season, which was crazy in a way because I had said he'd look the sharpest I've ever seen him. He looked yeah. so fit. He looked very he fit. He came in fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe, the, maybe the mental game wasn't there. Maybe that Possibly. wasn't fit. Um, uh, the thing is, I think this year it was the sending off. That really uh, oh, turned it around. That, yeah. Even though he scored on that goal. And then getting dropped yeah, for getting the next dropped game. For the so next maybe game. that made him think, oh, I'm not guaranteed to start home games. You haven't talked about one of the most significant things. Is, is this not like his first away start of the season? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yes. <laughs> and he scored. 
Yeah. And he C- contributed. Can't leave him out now. Yeah, and he contributed quite respectably. He, he was really good in that yeah. first half. He was busy throughout. Got his reward. 17th minute, I think it was. Nice little goal. Was it, was, it was a counter. Yeah. It was Daniel Henry. Ponder, yeah. Daniel Henry headed the ball clear. Yeah. Your favorite player, F U R Oh, yes. Juarez yeah. did he got excellently it. to And it got it right to Reyna. Right? No, no, no. Oh, no. He beat a man. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He beat a man and then played in Reyna. Yeah. And the cool the thing about Reyna is, is he kind of came in the middle. He was kind of center left channel. Yeah. And then what happened was he cut. He cut into the middle more like yeah. he was going to shoot. And what happened with uh, Colorado's three at the back, they were playing 3-5-2, and they were just getting hammered. Yeah. So what I think happened it was Declan was, Wynn on that left side, too. No, he's, they have Declan Wynn playing on the right side. Yeah. You know, was he playing on the right side? Yeah. They, they have so their Smith, left back on the okay, right yeah, side. Right. Yeah, yeah. Smith was the left, left, left center back. And so what happened as Jordy cut into the middle, Smith collapsed into the middle yeah. and, and just left to chair in that space. So Jordy recognized it right away, yeah. laid, laid it off. Tichera gets the ball and then fakes out Smith, who's trying to recover, over recover. recover and slides. Yeah, yeah. He did so well. It was kind of like the Simone's slide. You know what he, what he did to Simone? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he slides through. He cuts Made it back. Made space and, and lovely finish yeah, as well. Inside of his left foot near post. And again, it's great because we need these guys to show consistency. It's no point just scoring a hat-trick one week and then doing nothing the next week. So to get that, I think it, it go, bodes well. Reyna as well, who seems to have had a fire lit under him, or he's finding his feet, he's maybe put some problems they had in the off-season to the back of his mind yeah, now. Yeah, we all hope. Hopefully. Hopefully they are all he's, over as well, because he, we haven't heard anything remember recently. That, remember that in, what, Instagram or Twitter a picture that he says he's going for business or something like that? Yeah, after that, LA. that's when in he LA. turned it around. Oh. It seemed LA, like, yeah. like he, he switched it up after that. I think it was the Minnesota game when I when you first noticed how well he was it, It's amazing what Scientology can do for you. <laughs> but Reyna got the second and the 39th. That, another, uh, this time a great run by Alfonso. Oh, on yeah. the left side. Again, I think it started with a Danielle Henry clearance, clearance from well, the back. Some people were saying that they cleared the ball 30 times for the whole game combined. Yeah, him and Aha. And, yeah. and it was 25 in the first half. Yeah. Or something. It's in the 20s. They had a lot of corners, Colorado. They had 12 corners. The, the, the Then Davies beat his man. Yeah. His beating his man yes. is a little different than Juarez. That, <laughs> that is another big plus because that's something that we've wanted to see. We've wanted him to A, beat men. And B, make the right decisions. And make the pass, yeah. And, and he by did. Be, by beating men, obviously I'm talking about on the football pitch. Yeah, yeah. Zach's cracked up here. But he did. He, he beat I took it. I took it for yeah. that way. I don't know where. Not exactly how you meant it. Not everything is innuendo with me, Zach. Most things are. But that wasn't. He, yeah. He he skinned his player, went by him. Yeah. And then he, he made t- some and good then, decisions in And this then he game. took on Declan Wynn. And you got to imagine the coaching staff was like, hey, you're going against Declan Wynn. <laughs> yes. You know him. You know, I, I like Declan. Yeah. But yeah you, you know, know his him. weaknesses. You, and... you trained against him. You played with him. You know how to – and so he took he took him on. And it wasn't a perfect pass because there were some deflections or whatever. But the ultimate thing that matters is it found it found Reyna and his deflected shot found the back of the net. Yeah. And by that time you felt the game was over. But no, it's never, it's never well, over. I, I did though because Colorado showed nothing despite what Hudson thinks Colorado, they had the better the first half. Colorado is a sad excuse for a football club at the moment on the pitch. Uh, Worse than Seattle? We'll come to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Colorado though, they pulled one back two minutes later. Fantastic strike by Edgar Castillo. But was it a handball? I think oh, it, it was. It was a handball. I, I think so too. If it's, that was, it's reviewed and it's still not given us a handball. If that was against Vancouver, that's called back. Yes. That was similar to what Alfonso Davies did against Columbus. Remember that goal yes. that was called yes. back? Yeah. That was similar to he, totally. And the thing is, when you have your hand like this where you're like 
aiming it towards the ball. I'm yeah. doing the motion here in the well, studio. It, it doesn't. For, it, it, it doesn't matter if he was angling it or whatever. He went towards it. Like it. It was like it was like he was doing that. That's what he yeah. was trying to do with his hand. It's it, it, yeah. Okay, I guess that counts. But it also is the fact that it actually hit it and went yeah. down and oh, yeah. it was a favorable and the angle, pull. the you know the physics and whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I didn't do science, <laughs> but the geometry of it. It went right down, straight down. That didn't go at an angle when it went. No. It went straight down. I mean, Are physics the same in Scientology, Michael? I have an idea. Probably. <laughs> I don't want to take anything away, though, from Castillo, because that, that was one hell Oh, that was a strike. great strike, yeah. yeah. And he nearly got a second just yeah. a couple of minutes later, and then it got blocked by his own man. So that that was a bit of a let-off. And again, it was another goal that you can't blame Brian Rowe for. He's given up goals, but I don't think he could have stopped that Castillo strike. Do you think he could? No, yeah. No, I'm, I was trying to think, can you? Is there any... And, and I don't... It wasn't like it wasn't on the replay. It didn't look like it was corner corner. Am I wrong? Like it no, wasn't like right no, no. in the corner. But it was beautifully struck. It was it well was, struck. It was a, it it was was a well curly shot pace. kind of over him. And the thing is, I think that I I do think that if it was, we all talked about Brian Rowe is not an not an athletic goalkeeper. So maybe what, what, what is he? He's more of a positional goalkeeper who's okay. right in the right okay. position. Yeah. He distributes the ball well and does that right. kind of stuff. So not everybody can be that type of goalkeeper. There's hope for me yet. <laughs> But he, but I think a more athletic goalkeeper would be able to save it, possibly, or at least get his fingertips to it. Interesting. But but I think maybe you said uh, it's it's not a criticism against him. It's yeah. just a, it's just the, the facts. The, oh, there's always a number of errors that lead to every goal. The biggest one in this was obviously the Felipe header. Oh yes, it was yeah. Felipe's, yeah. Felipe's header. He should have cleared it towards yeah. the end line. His, his low header into the middle of the area <laughs> was was what led to it, really. Well, he's quite small. Everything's quite a low header for him. Same with Teixeira. Second half wasn't. Anything super exciting. Both so teams had skip half chances. Yeah, we'll just <laughs> rattle through that. Have to talk about the miss by, Ga- by Gashi, though. That was just a slight just deflection. Bad flick on by Henry. For all yeah. the good that he did, yeah. you can't. I think do he, a, a I don't even think he was like trying that. to flick it on. I think he was just trying, trying to, to clear it. I yeah. think he just couldn't get his head to it. Clear it or put it out. But maybe two, three, two, three more inches tall height, and he would have got I it. I think maybe Gashi didn't expect it to come through to him. Yeah. But he, he has to finish. Gashi like is that. interesting. He's one one of those players. Not everyone is exactly the same, but he's one of those players who you have to say, "What happened?" Like he is so yes. talented. Uh-huh. He's on a good wage, which I would say he's probably worth. Really, when when he when he's anywhere I blame near the altitude, it but, messes your brain. But <laughs> I get yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, something has got to be wrong there. If it's yeah. off the pitch or family, something, some, I don't know. Not, I'm not saying something's wrong with his family. Just, there's <laughs> something that has to be impacting his play. Because he, he needs new surroundings like Vancouver. I would love to have him here. He's he's a quality footballer yeah. in, in MLS terms. Horrible miss. Great for the Whitecaps. D- do you feel the Whitecaps deserve to win? To- oh, totally. Yeah. The, the, would that have been an undeserved draw if, he, if he'd put that away? Yeah, I think yeah, so. With, I the, with the chances Vancouver m- missed in the first half, uh, coupled with how they played in the second half, because you know you said there's not a lot to. I think what should be talked about, which probably we, we we moan about at other times, or we we're concerned about at other times, anyways, is they actually the game management is that they saw the yes. game out, they possessed the ball. Yes. I don't think I've seen uh, a, a, a Whitecaps player take the ball to the corner more than I, than I did in that game yeah. or like get get into the other half they and then just a lot oh, of credit for oh that. I'm going to pass it back and I know some people are like oh Alfonso Davies why is he passing it sideways or backward he should just keep going they wanted to I win know, the game it's like yeah. understand game management and it was, it's not and, all about just and, attacking and that central you see midf- what happens like for just cup final 
2015. Why, you why, still go for another why, goal. Why do you got to bring this up? Because I know it. Sackhurst. Sackhurst. Um, no, but uh, um, I, I think the, I think the central midfield had a big part to do with that because they, the, the, they both we'll talk about throughout the whole game two. they just they made the simple passes yeah. and made who the was, effective passes. Who was in central midfield? Juarez and Felipe Martins, and right, they did right. an excellent job. You heard it here. Okay, the, the one thing, the one thing we saw, so, good performance, I would say, good result, I would say, that does need to be at least tempered somewhat with the fact that they were playing the Colorado Rapids, yes. as we mentioned. Uh, so yeah, totally. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good, don't good job. Too good, much away from good them, job. But it was a bad. Good. Team. Good job because they've played bad teams before and yes, not done and they had well. to win it. Yeah. So that's some of our thoughts on the game. We're going to hear from both coaches now. We're going to hear from Anthony Hudson, and then we'll hear from Carl Robinson. Anthony Hudson. If you watch the video of it, if you get a chance to, he's the most chilled coach for a guy that's team is very struggling. Well, can we talk about his tactics after we'll this? We'll talk about yeah. that after this. Colorado. Colorado, beautiful place that you are. Feel the sorrow of tomorrow before you go very far. It got got us back in the game in a in a half once again where I thought we created we sort of had them under a lot of pressure. It was deserved to go. We deserved to get to get back in the game, um, and uh, and it was a good finish in the end. Coach, that that first half really was kind of a head scratcher. I mean, you guys had so you had them on their heels. Their two goals was it was it more a case of of um, positioning, um, just uh, you know them getting numbers back behind, or what do you think was kind of the the cause of those? Yeah, that we did. We didn't deal well with the, the counter attacks. We we uh, um, th- look, there's. I f- I f- when, when you're on a run like this, it's um, you know almost like I probably sound like a broken record, and and um, and I'm sure it's frustrating to some people. And we're frustrated, uh, we're disappointed, but. At the same time, um, I, I've, as, as disappointed as we are, I feel very calm in knowing that this will turn. Um, we've seen enough evidence in these games that, I mean, I don't know how many crosses tonight we had, how many final balls we had in the box. Um, so it's going to turn for us. I feel calm about that. But we're not happy about this situation, of course. A very entertaining match, end-to-end. Probably a little bit too open for both managers like. Lots of chances, obviously three goals, lots of blocks, missed chances. Um, a very tough game, but we're obviously delighted in there. The guys in my locker room put a lot of effort in. Uh, and if you get put the work in, you get the rewards. And, uh, lots of goals for your past four weeks, but how important is it? It's always nice to win. We've been drawing too many games, uh, points we've thrown away really, and the league is very tight. You can go on a run, a winning run, or a losing run, or a drawing run at any stage. But you know, you got to make the key differences at certain times, um, which gain you points. And what we've done is we've given away too many goals recently, um, but we scored a lot. So it's fun to watch if you're a fan. Obviously, it drives managers mad. So we went into the game today. We knew. They're a little bit wounded. They're a good. They're a good team. They got good players. Obviously, they got a, a great coach in Anthony. We know that. So, 
we knew they would create opportunities, but we also know they'd give opportunities up. And it's, then it comes down to the tactical game plan of each manager. Um, we took our chances early on in the game, and we thought if we got our noses in front, we might be able to hang on. And that's certainly what we did. And the back line, how do you assess? Dunkers? Terrific, terrific, absolutely terrific. Daniil Henry and Jose, you know, the two fullbacks, Brett Shea. It's a brand new back four from last week. So obviously, we conceded the one goal, which I think was avoidable um, with a, a bad headed clearance. Um, you know, and credit to the guys for hanging in there. And talk about the attacking punch that Jordi and, uh, and Tachera brought. Well, very exciting um, you know we've created a, a boatload of chances and probably not scored as many goals as we would like but when we've got the bug and we've got Jordi and we've got Fonzie obviously Anthony got the chance today Kai is, was rested because he picked up a slight injury but when you've got those three young attacking players they're, they're delightful to watch at times they're exciting to watch at times um, but they're sometimes frustrating and they give simple passes away just because of their keenness and their naivety um, but they were terrific all three of them today The gaffers there. People just love that song. There's a discussion on Twitter about it this week. Glad to to be bringing my 80s UK sitcoms who, who to the wider audience. It? Was it Paul or who was it? I can't remember now, but there was a few Paul people, couple of people said it was such a catchy yeah. song. I think Paul was one of them, yeah. yeah. And it might have been Ryan as well. Anyway, that was the gaffers there, just talking about the game. Just before we wrap this segment up, it's amazing how a win can shape a narrative. Because we headed into this game. And it was four draws on the bounce, but it felt bad. Well, but you're unbeaten in four, yeah, but it still four. felt yeah. bad. This win, after immediately after the game, moved us back in, into the playoff spots in fifth, and we were just one point off third. As you said, deservedly. Yeah. Do you go with a half-full approach, though, and say it's still only one win in the last six, two in the last ten? You've only taken a third of the points in that spell. Or do you feel the Caps have turned it around and we're unbeaten in five, baby? For me, it's um, essentially because they're, uh, and I've talked about it before so many times, because they've shown effort in these games, I feel like they are on the verge of turning around. Uh, Their only issue is getting that defense sorted out. If they can get that sorted out, then they're not going to score two goals every game or three goals every game and need to win. They don't need to do that to win. They can score a goal and win the game if they can get that defense sorted out. So I think, I, I feel like they've, I'm not sure if it's going to continue, but they are on the right track at this point. Happy for Robbo, his staff, and the players uh, to get a, a win after it's been a while. Uh, continue their, um, I think it's probably still the best away record over the last four years uh, running in the league. So they'll be really happy about that. Uh, it also, is, I think, is huge when you factor in the fact that they're captains away for World Cup duty. Yeah, and you, and like you, like we already said, they changed the back four. There was many changes yep. throughout the I side. I was worried about chemistry, but it worked. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's well. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Many people are going to call it uh, undefeated in five. Uh, that doesn't really, that doesn't really matter. Doesn't really matter to me. I think they just they need to build off yeah. the success that they had in, in this game, and they have a game upcoming in Orlando that we're not going to preview. Uh, that will be really interesting because Orlando has shown some things this year. Uh, I think that they yeah, haven't shown it recently, pre- though. No, not like on this that, weekend. Yeah. But earlier this year, they, yeah, they, they had a rich not. run of form. So it'll be interesting. That'll be a good test, I think. But we, we had a poll question kind of roundabout. 
not, yes. not Christian. We asked, what effect did the opposition have on this result? Like, in, in their opinion, how confident were people? Um, we have we have basically a very close call for the uh, first two choices. Uh, in uh, top spot was somewhat never easy to win on a road on the road, and then in second, um, just a couple of percentage points behind. Um, all of it, Rapids are a horrible team, so they they feel like the the white yeah. they were Whitecaps should have won and no matter what. In third, none. Um, Whitecaps deserved all three points, and there was a few votes for not sure. Mm. Uh, so it's basically I think people are kind of. I think more people are on the thing that the Whitecaps are doing things well to earn that. The, yeah, the third I, I'll be honest. It's nice to have a kind of positive vibe kind of going out in the, the Twitter sphere amongst Whitecaps land. Let's hope that continues going into the World Cup break. But we'll be back with some chat around some of the, the player performances, the defence and a few other things after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, you're listening to the AFTN podcast. Colorado. All the Colorado songs. Yeah, I've, I've got more. I've got one about Colorado girls. I didn't include that this week. Maybe, maybe, I'll do maybe that when, they, when they come here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll say that. Be looking forward to chanting to their two Scottish guys when they come here as well. But yes, you are back listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. So, in the first part, we talked a little bit about the, the game. Delve a little bit deeper. We're going to have just a short part two because it's it's such a, a packed show this week. I want to just look at a few things out of this game defensively. First of all, let, let's look at that. Despite the all the all change, the kind of lack the, the of time change, working together yeah. and chemistry, I thought they looked a lot more composed, and the chemistry felt that it was there. I didn't not mind Brick Shea at left back. I think he minds it a little. I don't think he wants to play there. Well, yeah, in he, the past, it, was, it probably, wasn't his favorite when no. he was in Orlando. But, but I agree with you there. He was he was composed. He didn't like look rattled too much. Yeah, great um, for other teams to see that yeah. he's versatile. He can yeah. play him in defense <laughs> or on the wing. No, no one's coming for Rick Shea, Michael. You can relax. Jake Nowinski was back. What, how do you think Jake did? Again, I think I think he was probably told to play a simple game. I uh, I think there was one run he made uh, going forward or a couple. Uh, here and there, but I, I, I think mostly he just hang, hung back. And you want to give Tachera space in front of you. You don't want to overload on that right side and let him kind of work it. Yeah, the game as a whole, it felt like it was like solidly defensive as a unit. For the most part, you mentioned you know, there's one or two little two little things. So I think I think that was good. And going forward, I don't think he was like yeah overly flashy or you know the, the contributions were made by the biggest contributions were made by Tachera, Reina, and Davies. Yeah. The, the, those three, right? Looking then just at the fullbacks, we don't know yet still how long De Jong's out for it, unless I completely missed that train last week. I didn't hear anything or read anything that, that said how long he was out. He certainly wasn't on the training pitch on on Thursday, Thursday That's when yeah. I was there. How long then, or do you keep Brexit in for De Jong now? Or do you rotate him and Brett Levi's? 
I think you leave it up to Breck. I think you make sure you ask him if he wants to play left back. Because if he shows any kind of thing that he doesn't want to play left back, then you put Levi's in there immediately. Because I would rather have, uh, uh, a, say, I'm not a less talented player. I'm not saying Levi's is less talented, but a, a less like name player or whatever you want to say, yeah. than have a Breck Shea who's not committed to playing left back. I don't, I don't think you can do that. I don't think that's a great way to, to coach. No, no, no. Oh, I would. Uh, like if the guy's not showing that he wants it, to play, you don't put him in there. Well, you don't put him in at all then if, yeah. if he doesn't want to play. Oh, no, I'm saying then you leave him on the bench. As a coach, if, you, if that gets out to the rest of your players, they're like, hey, he's going to you and being like, hey, do you want to play here? I don't think you let it out to the rest of the players. Yeah, but, I have a private conversation. But, no, but that's that. the thing, dude. This is a team. They, they, yeah. Those things get out. I remember yeah, sure. I, I remember before hearing from a player saying, you know, oh, this player said to me, I should be playing this position. And then they, I heard them going to the coach and saying, I should be playing that position. And it ruins the chemistry in the, in the, in the dressing room. I, I'd, I'd keep Shea in, I've got to say. I like Brett, but I just think Shea adds a little bit more. He's got that more experience, and that that would be the way to go. And I would possibly keep Nerwinski with him. Yeah, I'd be okay with Nerwinski getting another, another start. I think Bre- Breck, I think, i uh, sorry, I hope that there be, would be something he'd want to prove playing against Orlando in the next game. Yes, well, he should be up for that y- one. Yeah. Especially y- at you would back. hope. You would hope. <laughs> yeah. The other parts but, of the defense, and he, and, sorry, he he kind of showed that in the game against them last year. Well, yes. Yeah. Does he have any tattoos he can point to if he <laughs> if he scores against them this week? The rest of the defense, Daniel Henry, as we talked about, finally made his Whitecaps debut. I thought it was above average. I don't think he had a fantastic game because, yes, he had those fifteen clearances, the same as Aha. He led the team in interceptions with four and blocks on three. But I counter that with that flick that nearly let Gashi score. And he nearly put the ball in his own net in the second half as well. He seemed to miss time how he was trying to play that. But when you couple those stats with the fact that he started both plays that led to both goals, yeah, two of that's those why I, clearances I, above, are, For me, above average. Yeah, I would say definitely above average. I'd maybe say an eight, eight out of ten, like, like the performance. It's, yeah. Especially, it, it's his first competitive game. Well, that's, that's the, the thing as well. At, at the MLS level. Like, yeah. he played USL yeah. like three games or something like yeah. that? Yeah. I, but like, with this group of players. I yes. was concerned about bringing him in without really getting a chemistry with AHA. No, but I think, but I think Gazal Gazal uh, alleviated any yeah, concerns that, about yeah. that last week. I thought Plus, no one can be worse than Gazal now. Let's why not give Daniel a shot? Plus, Rabo knows Rabo knows Danielle, right? Like, yeah. so I think that that helps, and I think he trusts him. I would feel because I, you guys can correct me, but I don't think Aaron Mond really put too many too many a foot wrong in the games he played. No, so, that that's the thing. Where does this leave? I mean, Aaron he was now? he was back on in the eighteen. Yeah, he had a huge smile on his face at training, so. It, He's not like he's not down, but where does that leave him? You've had Gazal and Henry now in ahead of you. But that's the thing. I think in this no, the captains at the the captain center backs at the World Cup, you need him now. Yeah. Like yeah. if there's a suspension and injury yeah. or whatever, you it's need not him. like he can say, "Look, I I want to move on now." So no, they, they, they will let him go. It's no. like, well, we can. And and we and we he could be a guy like Hurtado, like Tybert, who are like okay with their positions in the lineup Maybe. and in the, in the roster. I, I think it's unfair to couple him in the group with Tybert, who's been one of our... Oh, no, one I know. Of, one of Vancouver's best performers I think so. this year. No, I, he's, he's meaning I'm meaning that if he doesn't start, and... that he's okay with it. He's not uh, going to cause a big stir. Okay. I, and so, uh, go, I had a, we had a question about Daniel Henry. We asked the uh, listeners um, what they thought of, how they rate him. Um, overwhelmingly, over 60% said very good, especially for his first start with a new partner. Um, in second spot with about third of the votes was a wait and see, solid play, but some mistakes. And then 
like five uh, percent said very nervous. Luckily, we were playing Colorado, and nobody voted for him, hoping Costa Rica loses quickly. So nobody, <laughs> nobody that concerned. Vamos los ticos. My complex manager is a Serbian supporter. Right. We hear Serbian. Up the um, Eagles. We we had a very long chat. He's like, oh, he's cheering on my Serbian. I was like, no, Costa Rica. He's like, what? So I could be evicted. I might be looking for a new house, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. Now, Juarez, Steve's nemesis. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I gave, I, li- I liked him at the beginning. I liked the signing. I know. I'm I kidding. just didn't like the play that he was doing I, at the beginning. Yeah. This was good today. Well, off late, it hasn't been great. I did think Friday. this was one of his better games. I think some people from the initial comments that I saw on Twitter were surprised that he was wearing the armband, but who else... Would you have given the armband well, to Well, if Kamara was started, you would have given it to him. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. There wasn't, Felipe might have, because he is a very outspoken guy on the pitch and off the pitch. So that yes. would have, might have been a. Yeah, uh, I guess. So, but I guess, I guess, you know, Juarez, you know, we rearranged the seating in the cafeteria, so you might as well give him the armband. Yeah. <laughs> it, it shows Steve, leadership. That, Steve, that did, did you show, did you think his effort and his performance were oh, yeah. much better? Much than, better. Yeah, okay. It was night and day compared to the other days. Him uh, and other Felipe games together. I thought were excellent. The, the way, as we touched on, they dictated the tempo in the second half. You, you saw a little bit of that against New England when he came mm, on for Tyburn. Yeah. I, I didn't think he was like that bad. I, we hated that he came on for Tyburn. Yeah, but just because that's what we were wanting to do what, in the game. And what stuff, do you want? Yeah. Once he came on, it was a good combination with him and Felipe. Now the Blondell Reina partnership didn't quite produce the sparks that we saw pre-season. I thought Blondell was very quiet. It wasn't a great game. I don't think we've seen the best of him yet and I, I don't know how we get the best out of him because it's either as we talked about last week keeping him in the lineup and, and getting that consistency or you're chopping and changing him in, in and out of the time and he's not he's not going to get that consistency and that flow going but he wasn't great on Friday I didn't I didn't think he was bad though no but i agree with you he needs he needs a run like yeah we, we say this often about players they need a run of of competitive matches I, I i i do hope that there is a there is more of him and kai t- together to come i really hope so because i i'm excited at what they can bring with reina in behind them exactly or with kamara up top and blondell and reina in behind him yeah. so either a one two or a, or a two one yeah for the top three it's going to be really exciting to see Talking of formations, four four two seems to be where it's at for us right now. It seems to be working. I know, but is they that kind where we're sticking. I I think it's the four four two. Correct me if I'm wrong. The four four two they're using is very flexible. Reina seems to step like back four, into four, the midfield. One, one almost. Yeah, yeah he, he's kind well. of. It sometimes looks like a four three three. It could turn into a yeah. four two three one if they wanted Fonzie to. Because sometimes pushes forward, yeah. Teixeira sometimes pushes. So up. it's it's kind of a very flexible four yeah, four. Well, we know how Karam feels about this. Yeah. Well, he, he doesn't get caught up in formation. He doesn't get caught up because they're just basically a starting point, right? Yeah. Whether you, it's more about how, how the attacking players you have and how you're. It's a foosball. How you're including, the, uh, encouraging them to 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 live out your game plan. So. Uh, yeah, to me that's not such a big thing, but I think for I think I think also this is a bit of a a communications battle. And so to call it a 442 when when they yeah. got you got you got fans howling for frustration over this that and the other, this is smart of them mm-hmm. to just put it and I, I can't remember if it was for this game or the there's some games where they, they, they when they when they put out the tweet out the formation, it's like it's like these 11 players. It doesn't say anything. 
But there's been games where they're like, this is the, it's not just on the TV. It's the, here's the actual lineup in the formation. Yeah, they've, they've definitely done that a lot uh, more now. Exactly. And yeah. so that's very, very wise of them to well, help let, to help with people who've been clamoring for two strikers. Let's keep some formation talk and talk about Colorado. Oh, man. And the rigidity of Hudson to play three at the back. He's not budging from so, that at all. So, yeah, if you listen to the you listen to the pregame show, Stefan Marinovich did the color for the radio. Or the pregame show on the radio. a tiny bit on my way to the Rovers game. Right, yeah. So, um, yeah, I was on my way, the way there too, actually. So um, I, was, I was already there. I was listening to, to <laughs> it on the way there. And Marinovich was like, yeah, look, I got, I'm really grateful to the guy. He gave me – he played me and kept playing me, so I'm really thankful. But he's just like, yeah, he is 3-5-2. It doesn't matter who he has. That's who he is. And so, at least to start, he says he does have some flexibility within a match. We didn't see it or we didn't see it quick enough on Friday night because they were just getting – the space that the wide, the Vancouver's wide players were having yeah. was ridiculous. So, the lack of the help of the wide Colorado players – The wingbacks, basically. The yeah, wingbacks they, they were and, and the – uh, the lack of connectivity between the center backs and into who to go where and when. We talked about the goal, the opening goal. You know, Smith should not have should he should not have probably collapsed or slid into the middle. I mean, Reina might have had a shot that might have gone in, but it, yeah, it, it, it was poor. And I, I, I've I've liked the three five two formation previously. But you gotta just, have the players to play. Yeah, it. you gotta have the wing backs that can go up and down. Yeah, yeah. they they can't be just going up and this yeah. not concerned about coming I, back another at good all. example. And I know you haven't seen this yet, Zach. Was tonight's game TSS against Victoria? Victoria went with a three-five-two, so they went three at the back against a very fast-paced TSS attack. Well, Zach Verhoeven was, was, was on yeah. one wing, Sanyo was the other, and Sanyo, yeah. Daniel Sanyo was on the other. So, and then you had Rahid Rahim, who's usually a winger in the middle. They took them Ran to pieces ragged, in yeah. that first half, and Thomas Nerendorf did not change that either. He stuck with that. And I was stunned by that. And even when they took, made the substitutions, like you said, they, they, the people that came on, they were just as fast yep. and there was no, no relief. It's just, there's times when a three-five-two can work, but you have to have the flexibility to change your formation. And, and Robo's not afraid to mix things up, but no. he needs to. So the, the biggest mark against this, which we, you, I think you already said, or we already talked about, Steve, is they're playing three-five-two. And they have, and the fact that he's shoehorning people in and whatever, making it fit to what he wants, is the fact that Declan Hill is playing right center back. Declan and, Wynn. Sorry, Declan. If Declan Hill's playing, he's got a lot more problems. I say there's match fixing De- going on. Yes. If <laughs> is Declan, isn't he the race car driver? Or is Declan As Hill's Damien the, Hill. Oh, no. Declan Hill's the journalist. The match fixing journalist. He's Canadian, right? We're going yeah, right yeah, over the hills. Sorry. Declan Wynn. Sorry. The fact that Declan. You can edit that out for me. Oh, no. That's staying in. The fact that Declan no editing tonight. <laughs> the fact that Declan Wynn is playing right center back, yeah, is a huge is a huge thing, right? That that says that he's trying to squeeze these players. Loving what he that wants. he's getting MLS minutes. Yeah, oh, but, I'm happy for him. Yeah, but I know. But talking to five players now, it's time for the rankings. So there was no uh, dancing, obviously. Oh, no, no singing along like you usually do. Because I was reading something on some, Zach's phone. Yeah, some information going back and forth. So, so yeah, we, we, had, we had the rankings. Yes. Um, uh, bottom three. Uh, just bring it up, sorry. Uh, bottom three, taking out the substitutions um, from the bottom. And th- I think this will make sense down the road. Uh, Jake Nowitzki at the bottom. 
Breck Shea second from the bottom, and Brian Rowe third from the bottom. Hmm. Now, when we go to the next question, uh, next yeah question. That, oh, sorry, the top five. We'll go top five. Sorry, uh, fifth spot, uh, Felipe. Fourth spot, Daniel Henry. Third spot, Alfonso Davies. Two is Teixeira. One is Reina. Now, when we asked people how many people get a passing grade, number one at about uh, just under 50% was 9 to 14. Hmm. So you got people like, like I know we said, and I'm taking subs as well because the subs really didn't have that much effect. But well, I thought this well, was Kai Kamaro, yeah, yeah. They, they did, but I usually take them out when yeah. we go third no, from the I, bottom. I hear you. Uh, nine to fourteen get a passing grade. That's huge. That's yeah. I don't think that's happened yeah, that's in a, first this time, year. I think yeah. So, uh, so I, that I, says yeah, that I'd even though they're from the bottom, they, they're still had yeah, a good but, performance. But those people, someone has to be bottom. But yeah. The, yeah, and I think so. That's partly confirmation bias of of at least Breck Shea and Brian Rowe, right? People have not appreciated some of their performances recently. Yeah, yeah. and so that's why they end up at the bottom. Uh, of the list. And like we said, fullbacks didn't have that much of an effect in the game. Like like going forward and everything that happens, forty two percent five to eight. And only just under ten percent said zero to four, which I think is just a lot of curmudgeons there. Um, where do you rank the coaching staff? Uh, number one, actually, it was a kind of a tie. Um, so uh, just over thirty-five percent was one to five. Under thirty-five percent was six to ten. Eleven to fourteen was about twenty percent, and ten percent had about a fifteen spot. So again, I think it's the same kind of people that are voting and like, yeah. How can you put the coaching staff at the 15th spot in that? I, I think yeah. it's just the same people that are yeah. just not happy with the white caps every week. We we had a very interesting chat at, at training on Thursday. Just like stats, you can skew them any way you want. Like the current run, you can say, oh, it's five games unbeaten, or it's one win in the last six. Yeah. So you can make them say whatever you want. No, but this is 10 percent of people saying we thought the coaching staff was the worst. Well, yeah, yeah that that's. You can have, that, that, that's that's what people yeah. are, and th- you, you might notice that some of those people that say that aren't are kind of quiet on Twitter right now or not yeah, speaking like as I said, much it's, as they it's were. been a, yeah. a, a more pleasant environment. Mike Martinego had tweeted out an interesting stat that I then delved a little bit more into. Heading into Friday's game, the Whitecaps had only been ahead in ten percent of the the matches that they played all year, ten percent of the time in mm. minutes. Yeah. Take out the first two games, and they'd only been ahead for five percent of it. Yeah, that's not. I mean, when you look at look at how the season has gone, that's yeah. not surprising. But you're never you're not going to win like that. With the way that we play, and considering that we like to give away possession stuff, was Friday's game kind of the key to Eric's success moving forward? Getting on the board early, getting those early goals, and then giving away all the possession. So should we be coming out faster, trying to get on the scoreboard early, and then? play our traditional game of giving up possession. Well, I think any, uh, even the most defensive of coaches, if you will, you know, would encourage their squad to score early, whether it's nicking one or whether, you know, whether it's a run of play, whether it's coming out with a high press, whatever. Like, I think every coach wants to get an early goal and be able to have that set the tone for the game, right? Because I've heard it said before that goals change games. Is that true? is that true? I believe it could do. I, I've also heard it only takes one second to score one. That's true as well. There you go. Hmm. Unless it's slowly trickling over the line, then it might take a few more. Oh, well, there were some goals like that, I think, this weekend yeah. in MLS. Yeah, well, that brings us nicely. We were going to talk a bit, little bit about MLS in part three, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, guys. This is Felipe. Thanks for listening. AFTN. Don't push the 
cockroach that ate Cincinnati. It's a shame. They had just got into the MLS and then a cockroach has destroyed them. I'm sure you'll fight back. Or, as the Nutmeg News wrote a great article, they've been announced that they've got an MLS team and now it's getting moved to Detroit. But anyway, <laughs> you are back listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. We'll get to Cincinnati later in this part. I want to quickly, though, rattle through our MLS West weekend review, as we always do. Before we went into this week's games and get into that, I have to mention something that I talked about last week, about how I thought Higuain's red card was, last week in the KC Columbus should not have happened. It was reviewed on VAR, and they still sent him off. But now it was, it's been re-reviewed by Disco, yeah. and it's been rescinded. Yeah. Farcical. Correct decision, but farcical. Yeah, hashtag classic MLS. Yeah. But then Martinez... Yeah, he should have been sent off. Got and the two. They did review again on, on VAR, and it was like, no, the referee, you don't need to do anything. He's now got a two-game ban from Disco. I, I mentally to see who was doing the VAR in that game, but let's just hope he's nowhere near us. Dis, uh, Disco, I think there's been like, they've needed some work. So VAR said, no, VAR said <laughs> no, the VAR people said, no problem, we'll help you out. They're, they're nice that way. Yeah, they're generous. Yeah. But Higuain had a big, a good thing he was in the well, game. Well, yeah, because <laughs> like, I don't... That's not a, that's I, not a West score. I though. don't like looking at the, the East usually, but let's just take a few seconds to laugh at TFC. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> But it was it was amazing because I did I, I had it on in the background uh, this morning uh, because they replayed it. Uh, fortunately for TFC fans, did you get the start of the game? Because I PVR'd it and I got the end of women's golf. Up oh to the no! Uh, no, minute. I I didn't PVR it. I just watched it. It was on this morning. But it was like TFC just was in control Michael completely. Bradley and had a meltdown performance. St- Stephen Caldwell was saying that oh uh, they got this in the bag. Anything can happen, but. TFC's got this. Well, and then, I, and then I was the first watching it, and I saw it was two 0 and I thought, oh, well, I watched the rest of the game. After yeah. I got home, I was like, oh, they've won it. Then I came back down, checked the score, and I was like, holy cow! Well, it was the, after they scored the first goal, uh, Columbus. Then Steve Columbus go, oh, 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 this is this will be a disaster if they give up uh, the result. Yeah, he here. was just, no, he was at first. He was like, oh yeah, they got a goal. It's good for them. Yeah, it's yeah. nice, nice consolation goal for them, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm surprised you don't have like an onside report because Corrigan was there. Yes. AFT and writer Chris Corrigan was there. He's been doing some stuff with the Save the Crew movement. Yeah. So we'll see what comes out of that trip. So I was wa- I, I, I watched, I, I think I turned on when it was 3 0 or 3 1, and I was like, oh, Chris must be just yeah. really disappointed in Did this. Did you hear about the crowd trouble before the match? No. Uh, the Columbus fans, which included family and young children and, and like disabled people and everything like that, were attacked by a group of TFC fans who were carrying flares and stuff, and a lot of the Columbus fans suffered burns. And the police were in the stadium looking for whoever the perpetrators were. Are you ser- great. You're serious? Yeah, that's deadly serious. Well, oh, I thought there yeah. was a joke coming yeah, out. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like waiting for no, you. No, no, no. That's deadly for the punch serious. Oh, that, shoot. That, wow. That, that was reading it on Reddit last night. Anyway, let's get on to some better things, which was some good results for the Whitecaps. Well, I, I want to mention, uh, you guys need to see the the replay of the uh, Atlanta-Philly game. Oh, now, the yes, meltdown yes, by, yeah, I, I, I can't yes. remember the player. Was it a centre-back or something? Two centre-backs. Two centre-offs. One was because yeah. of the play. One one got a second yellow. No, no, the first one. No, no, the first, first one was sent, sent off. off. Was a second yeah, yellow. Second was yellow. it a second? Yes. He'd, he'd oh, I thought it was a, a first. No, he'd no. been booked a little. And then the guy who was upset about it got a yellow, and then a the second, second yellow. yellow right. Yeah. Up, yeah, that. Well, I felt like insane. he bumped the ref a little bit, especially on the first time. And that gave, and that gave Joseph Martinez his what, like fifth hat trick in thirty four. 
Dern John held the previous record and Martinez has beaten it by 21 games, I, I think it was. I got a message from someone who says, this is what you get when you pay for quality yes. in MLS. I, I think we should make a move for him in the in the off-season. Just, uh, just saying. He's going to go to I, Europe. I'll speak to Rob about He's going to go to Europe. Okay, so we're, midweek, we're Europe. midweek results. Midweek results. Mix for the Caps. One was partly surprising because RSL, who have looked awful, but they were at home, beat Houston 2-1. Yep. Leapfrogged us in the, the process in the standings. Then... Great result for us from the Fuds in Dallas. Three up. Survived a two-goal comeback from Zlatan. Beat the Galaxy 3-2. That was great. I mean, we started the weekend out of the playoff spots in seventh and, and ninth in points per game. We were fifth and seventh in those regards after beating Colorado. But a pretty good weekend for us. Saw us finishing in sixth. So still in the, the playoff spots. But seventh, seventh in points, points per yeah. game. Weekend kicked off. Portland, LA Galaxy. Timber's six-game winning streak is over, but technically a seven-game win. Well, not technically. It's a seven-game unbeaten streak. Draw, good for the Caps. Both rivals dropping points, especially Galaxy, who's below us. And the Galaxy, um, obviously, they were with, without Zlatan in this one. Yeah, he was on the bench. Yeah, well, it's two games in a week. Maybe the turf as well. The might also, yeah, and two, two games in a week as well. Keeps Portland in touch with us. They're just one ahead, and it keeps LA behind us by three. I'm still concerned by the Galaxy. I... I think they will finally click into gear in the summer. I can see them getting past us. They've taken seven points from the last 12. So I think they are on a bit of an upward swing, but yeah. we'll see. Houston lost the second game in a row this yeah. week. Yeah, disastrous week. for Houston. But I'm happy, but it's such a crappy schedule for Houston. No team should have to play midweek away from home in the West Coast and then have to fly to, to Montreal on Saturday for an early kickoff as well that's just ridiculous scheduling but who cares because they got beat so it's great for the Caps Vargas beautiful strike minute before half time Houston put out a weak lineup for it partly because Second of two game. games yeah. I wonder though did they think Montreal's crap we've got this in the bag and they put out well, a weaker thing I think they kept Kyoto Minotis and Martin is on the bench well they, I, they wanted to go after RSL because it's the same conference yeah. and they're thinking yeah. Eastern Conference the second game a, a huge, huge win for Montreal. Yeah. I know you want to focus on the West. Yeah, yeah, that was. was they, it, they, the fourth, ga- fourth win in like what, what, how many games? Like It's not yeah. drastically helped them in the signings, but they no. needed that. To no, I think, no, I, didn't they go above TFC again? Possibly. I think, I think I could be wrong, but I think they... That makes it all worthwhile for them. <laughs> Dallas beat the other LA team. Yeah, LAFC 2-1, and Dallas should have beaten them by a lot more yeah. than 2-1. It was a d- dominating performance. Dallas and KC are looking the, the class act, I have to say, of, of the West so far. Or at least the, the acts, maybe not the class acts, but they're the acts that can actually string some results together. Yeah. Did you watch the KC game today? I haven't. I haven't no. even seen the score, so... Give us that now. Yeah, they they beat Minnesota four one. Yeah, there was a sending yeah. off. It was, it was two. It was three one, and then Minnesota had a sending off, and it, it was nothing yeah. nothing shocking. So that another that will put KC back for, top again. Except for Kansas City's young players scored. They had started a young, the young central forward. I'm forgetting his name right now. He the scored sixteen year old or something. Whatever. Oh. And then they had a sub come on. Oh. I think it was sixteen. Oh, okay. He scored. Did, did my man Johnny score? No, he's away with Scotland. Oh, so yes. Yeah, they were missing him. Yes, Peru and Mexico. Another game in the Midwest, Chicago. Beating San Jose too. Yeah, great result. What Western a, team losing so, to an East. What I want to say about Kansas City is they played young players and they did really well. Yeah. Oh, and just, go, just going back to Dallas, LA. Jordan Harvey got sent off. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <gasps> I have not seen Se- that. Yet. Second Eighty-ninth yellow. minute, second yellow. Yeah. In which game? The old LA. Yeah, South. Dallas, that's uh, one of the LA highlights LA I didn't watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, San Jose two-one defeat. 
Alan Gordon yeah. gets uh, yeah, that's the goal against the only thing worth team. mentioning from that. Three goals in three what games did, from the old but, man. What did Jordan Harvey do? It was a second, oh, a second and it was just like tackle. And yeah, it stuff. was a rough tackle um, that usually don't get called in the past. Um, right, <laughs> let, let, we, we've saved the best to last. <laughs> Sorry, I just the way you said that was funny. Yeah. Um, Why don't they get called in the past? In the past, this, this, it was a hard tackle, but it wasn't like a dangerous tackle, I thought. I think I think it was just like a really rough what's, tackle. Okay, what's changed? Let, let's move on okay. with a tight shorter time. RSL 2, Seattle 0. Yeah, oh, I saw this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That was fun to watch. The Sounders are terrible. It was fun to watch and the game was crap, but the Sounders got beat. you saying you enjoy watching the Flounders flounder? Yes. I learned this week that the Sounders is the name given to a pack of warthogs. Well, that's... There's something... We've been going down the whole fish route. There's a whole warthogs route that we can now go down with this. Excellent. I was now, watching a zoo program. You, shouldn't, like, have said, oh you shouldn't have said that. Can you edit that out so we can... <laughs> now, you could tell how horrible this game was because just by the highlights package, the first highlight, <laughs> yeah, I you, think... Yeah, you pick up on this a lot. The first highlight was like, I think in the, uh, the... There was one highlight in the first half and then they went to the 57th yeah, yeah. minute in the <laughs> second half. And then I think well, Seattle had no shots on target for the whole game. Seattle's first highlight was at the 76th minute or something well, like that. When you're a flounder, it's hard, it's hard to get shots on it. Um, the, 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 the second goal is going to fry way up the pitch. Well, yeah, if you, if you, if you haven't watched, yeah, RSL scores earlier on in the game. And then it was the ninety first minute or something. Yeah. There was like that, three minutes out or something. Yeah. yeah. And so Fry went up for the corner and That's they, early I thought. They, they countered the they counter well. I don't know. Not in 91st minute. No. When you got nothing else to lose. I was, call, I was calling sh- for Marco Carducci to go up. We were calling for Marco Carducci to go up yeah, in the corner on in Friday. In the 86th minute. <laughs> Why? You wanted TSS to lose? Get out of the studio. I love I love Marco Carducci. I More want... than TSS Rovers? Yeah, probably. It seemed like <gasps> it. I can attest to that. He does. <laughs> it's Marco Carducci, Jackson Farmer, Jordan Haynes. Have you read yet? That, that's the song. I'm not slating Jackson anyway. Anyway, yeah. Love Seattle those, are, are atrocious. And another team that's on a bad run is Orlando. We won't cover that in any detail. The preview podcast will be out on Thursday looking at that. But four defeats in a row after having six game, six Win. winning yeah. streak as well. US Open Cup is midweek as well, but you have to feel teams will probably put out the strongest possible that. lineup. I'm just hoping for an FC Cincinnati win over Minnesota. I think they have every chance of doing it. Oh, yeah. Can get another cup run going. Spencer Ritchie's got a good chance probably of starting that one. Hopefully. But big week for FC Cincinnati. As we know, they are the 26th team now in Major League Soccer. And the man, I was glad that this was announced because it's not always announced yeah. early. Minnesota didn't appoint Adrian Heath till December. Whereas you've got Alan Koch now, has been appointed the coach. He's got all this time to work with his team to get ready. To build his team, season. yeah. Yeah. And that, that's fantastic. And they're going to have the summer transfer window where they yep, can actually they bring, can bring players in knowing in. that they're going to MLS. And he, the, we talked, I talked to Alan during the week. We're going to bring you that now. It's a long interview. It's 20 minutes, but a lot of good stuff in this. Just talking about how he's going to build the team and just a lot more besides. So let's hear now from FC Cincinnati head coach and our good friend, Alan Koch. In our city. I guess to start things off, Alan, I have to say congratulations. It's obviously been a long time coming. I think everyone knew that Cincinnati was, was going to get awarded the, the next co- sort of berth in MLS. But wh- what was it like emotionally for you on Tuesday? I mean, it must have been a mixture of excitement, but 
I guess maybe trepidation because it's quite a daunting journey that's ahead of you now. No, it's nothing but exciting. There's 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 no trepidation. It's, we know exactly what we're getting ourselves into, and uh, we've got some very very good leadership. We've got great owners, and we're we're continuing to expand our staff, and we've got a very good staff. So we're all excited. We're ready to embrace the challenge. Uh, yesterday was an amazing moment, obviously for the club and the city and. Uh, people truly celebrated in style in, in true Cincinnati fashion. Um, it was a it was a very very special day for for everybody involved, and uh, it was it was thoroughly enjoyable. It's something you could tell was very very imminent. Uh, anybody who's ever been to one of our games can see the atmosphere in the stadium. They can see the on-field product. They can see how much uh, our sport means uh, to the city, and it just continues to go from strength to strength. I mean, I've, I've watched a lot of your games over the past couple of years, and it does seem amazing atmosphere there. But when, when you look at how far this club has come, only formed in 2015, this is only the, the third USL season, do some of the guys there kind of have to take a step back and think, wow, we, we've really come a long way in such a, a short period of time? Yeah, I think last night was that moment for, for pretty much everybody, from the president and the owners and everybody who started the club uh, literally three years ago. Uh, I think everybody has worked so hard and done so much to to make this happen and to grow the club in, in so many different respects and in all the different spheres that we're involved with. Uh, but I think last night really was that one moment and uh, everybody kind of took a foot off the pedal and, and actually just looked at each other and reflected and, and really enjoyed the moment. Uh, there's so much passion in this business, obviously, and there's, there's a lot of passion around our club both internally and, and externally too. But uh, last night was that moment. I think we all allowed ourselves just a few hours to kind of take the foot off the pedal and, and really uh, appreciate each other and appreciate all the hard work everybody's put in. Uh, but we, we obviously know there's a lot more work ahead now um, and that's uh, something we're all excited about. I mean, when I last spoke to you, it, it was during the, the cup run that you had last year in the US Open Cup. Obviously, when you first went to Cincinnati, you hadn't gone there as head coach. And then as things worked out, you got that at the start of last year. When did you find out, though, that the plan was to, to have you as the, the coach in MLS? Or, or was that the plan all along? Um, well, I extended my contract uh, last year during that cup run. I don't remember exactly when it was, but we went and we beat several MLS teams. And uh, the president of the club uh, came to me, approached me and said, I want to extend you, I want you to be with us uh, for the long haul. You've you've shown really on a US full budget that you have the ability to beat MLS teams. Uh, and that that obviously uh, showed them what myself and my staff are, are capable of, and uh, they've entrusted us to, to lead the process since then. Um, so it's, uh, it's something I'm honored by, I'm humbled by it, uh, it's something we're enjoying. It's obviously personally, it's a lot nicer to to lead a team into MLS uh, next year in 2019 and having to wait another year or two um, because the cup run last year, that's a lot of attention. Uh, and there were some other MLS clubs that were interested. But to be honest, this is a great club and this is a club I'm really enjoying growing with. Uh, we're all growing with this club together every every single day. We're, we're challenging each other and uh, I'm excited to see where this journey takes myself, my staff and the club. Now, last season was really the the first season that you had a chance to to build your own squad but at the same time you were taking over a, a lot of players that were already there this year you've had the budget 
how, how different have you found it? Obviously at SFU, you, you, you brought in players that were at college level at WFC2. A lot of the recruitment was maybe done by the Caps players and I, you didn't really go get a chance to go out and spend money. This year you have. Have you noticed, has it been a big difference or, or how enjoyable has that been for you? Well, I've always loved building teams. I think that's something that I... Uh, it's something I enjoy. It's something I embrace. It takes a lot of work to go source the right players, the right characters, and uh, I figured out over the years to be incredibly resourceful. And I think that's something. Uh, I think a lot of people don't actually realize that. People post a lot of comments right now about, "Oh, we we've got this big budget. We have a very nice USL budget, uh, but it's it's not the top budget in the league by any means. Uh, it's not outlandish. It's a very reasonable budget, and it's, it's a good budget. Uh, our our owners." Uh, are building something special and they do it the right way um, so I think a lot of the experiences I had particularly with SFU where uh, what you do at that level is the same as what you do at the top levels it's just you're dealing with different types of entities you're having to recruit the right type of players for the college game uh, and then going to WFC2 the, the first year I really inherited a lot of the academy kids or the first team guys but yeah. in the second year when we had success I, I was able to put my own own footprint on on the team and and who we brought in and I was able to recruit a lot of those players that helped take us to the conference final and and that to be honest gave me a lot of confidence the fact that we could take a group uh, on a very small budget there with Whitecaps 2 and very very young as far as we did and helped develop those individual players uh, showed that we're capable of doing it uh, in the professional ranks and it's why I got the opportunity to come to Cincinnati and uh, gave us the confidence uh, last year in that cup run to, to go cause all of those upsets. Um, so it has been fun putting this team together. Uh, we worked incredibly hard just to reflect last year in that first season here as the head coach, what was working, what wasn't working, who we needed to bring in, who we needed to release. Uh, we brought in a huge group of players this year that really set the culture of the club that we're trying to create. And I feel the group that we have is, is really setting that, that culture in place. We've had a a very, very good start to season. We're top until last week. Now, obviously, in, in second position in the league, and got got everything to fight for this year as we get ourselves ready for for the MLS. Uh, the squad you've built this year. I mean, everyone knew that the MLS was coming, but we didn't know whether it was definitely going to be 2019. Without all the stadium issues, obviously, they just got ratified quite recently. But how much of this squad was built with an eye to MLS, or were you not really able to? to do as much of that as you wanted with that uncertainty hanging over? Yeah, good choice of words. There was a lot of uncertainty, but we tried to really, we focused on the important things. We focused on the experience that we as a club and a city can provide with our players. The players could see where this club is going. Obviously, there was no certainty as to where we're going to be in MLS and, and when we're going to be in MLS, uh, but our players wanted to come be part of a special journey. We we use that as our biggest recruiting tool. Uh, just if you want to come play in a very, very special environment where the fans in the city are incredibly passionate about the work that we do, we're going to put the right culture in place and uh, let's go compete and, and try and win. Uh, and that's really how we were able to recruit the players that we did very, very resourcefully. And uh, They've come along, they've bought into everything we're doing. Uh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to work with this group every single day. Uh, the culture and the group uh, is an absolute joy. Everybody comes to work with a smile on their face win or lose, to be honest, and, and everybody's buying into the system of play that we've been able to, to implement. Uh, last year, I wasn't really able to do that. It's, we inherited a group, and we had to tweak it as much as we could in, in certain games, but we put a we have a vision and a philosophy that we want to play, and we've managed to bring the players 
Now, Don Garber on Tuesday had said it's a very short runway for the team to, to get ready for MLS. Just I was just looking at it just before I called you and thinking about it, you're like seven and a half months away from pre-season and just over six months away from the the draft. I mean, what's on the top of your to-do list right now? It must be so much. Yeah, you know what? There's two different things that are, are probably the most challenging at the moment. And we brought in a good technical director, Luke Sassano, who yeah. joined us from the New York Coast Cosmos, and, and him and myself with Jeff Birding, who's our present GM, really are the ones that are working on a lot of these different things. But the first is just making sure we're completely familiar uh, with all of the MLS players, uh, because obviously they're the winning expansion draft, and we'll get to go play and pick a few players at that time. Uh, the other one is obviously the, the MLS draft itself, but I'm obviously very, very familiar with that. I, I yeah. led that for the Whitecaps for, for several seasons, so we, we're putting a network in place already that will help us identify all those players, and hopefully, uh, like we did the Whitecaps, we picked a Timmy Parker there. Hopefully, we can go pick somebody very, very similar to Tim and uh, go have somebody who can come make an impact already uh, for us next year as a, as a rookie. Obviously, you have Spencer Ritchie there on loan from the Whitecaps just now. But now, as the season goes on, is that something you might look at if the, if you identify maybe some players at MLS clubs that maybe are surplus to requirements there? Would you look at trying to bring them in now, either signing them or even on loan deals, just to, to have a look at them? Yeah, definitely. We're definitely open to it. We've been talking to a couple of clubs about loan-to-buy type of options. Uh, we've obviously got to regulate things with the MLS to make sure yeah. we and them are completely on top of how the rules are going to work as things unfold. But no, we're definitely open to trying to do some things for summertime, uh, and then obviously we'll have the winter window too. Um, so like anybody uh, in a league like MLS with all the different rules and regulations, we've got to be incredibly creative, incredibly resourceful in terms of putting this roster uh, together. But we know we'll have a decent budget, uh, one that will make us competitive. Uh, but just like we've, we're doing this year, just like to be quite frank, I've done everywhere, we'll squeeze every single thing we can out of every single player. Uh, and you've got to maximize every player's abilities and, and set them up for success. Um, so obviously we're focusing still on this year, but we're definitely having a build uh, for, for next year at the same time. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next. You've got the USL season still to, to see out. You're right in the middle of another Open Cup run. You've got Minnesota coming up in that. How many hours a day do you see yourself putting into this now for the next couple of months? <laughs> That's a good question. So my my family is still uh, in Vancouver and right back and forth between back and forth between Vancouver and, and Cincinnati all the time. So yeah, so I think to be honest, my wife and I joke that it might actually be a good thing because I work so much uh, that really I don't have much daytime, uh, and trying to find that balance is is a bit of a challenge. Uh, but when you've got a project like this in front of you. Uh, you're going to grab the bull by the horns and, and make the most of it. And, and obviously when they come out and visit and come watch games, we can we can try to shut it off for a little bit. Uh, but we're working incredibly hard. We're putting in long, long hours and we're enjoying it. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty special to be part of something like this that is growing. And to be quite honest, it's been called this by many people. It's one of the hardest soccer clubs in, in North America. Um, so uh, we're, we're humbled with the opportunity and we're going to make the most of it. Still looking at, at this year, I mean, it goes without saying, the, the players on your current roster, they know what the opportunity is. If, if they impress you, they'll probably make the jump to MLS. Now, that can give you a big boost in USL and that you might see players playing out their skin, but then you're also going to have opposition players wanting to impress you or you're going to be the team now that they really want to knock off if 
you probably were anyway, but what are you expecting in, in games now to, to see out the rest of the USL season? Well, we know this already. We literally had it last week. We were on top of the league for the last three weeks, and uh, we played one of our regional rivals who came in, and yeah. uh, they played like they were possessed, uh, and we didn't have a particularly good game, and we deserved to lose. Um, but that's, that's our reality. Every team that comes and plays against us in our stadium in front of 25, 30,000 fans, whatever it is, uh, you know you're going to get their absolute best shot. Um, so we've got a huge target on our backs. Uh, we have to be ready for that. But then also when we go play play away, we play the New York Red Bulls too this weekend at their place, and they've had a lot of success as a two-team in, in the USL. But those young players are, are fighting for spots in their first team, but they're all realists. They know there's only so many guys that can get signed to their first team. Well, the rest of them are going to try and get jobs somewhere else. So they know if you're playing against a team that's going to them less, this is the time to, to put your best foot forward. Talking to the fan base, obviously everyone knows Nippert Stadium's like got an amazing atmosphere and I think you're averaging something like 24,500 this year. The friendly that you played against Palace, you had 41,000 in there. Some of the cup games were massive crowds. But the new stadium, it's only 21,000 capacity. Is that going to be big enough for what you're doing there? They haven't exactly decided on the final number. Right. There's so many different things that went into obviously figuring out our stadium and who's paying for it and where we're going to put it and everything else. But uh, I think everybody is, is hopeful that there's going to be uh, room for expansion. Okay. This, this club and the city have already shown that people will show up and there's tens of thousands to, to come watch the team play. Um, so uh, you hope they can maximize things as much as possible and build as big a stadium as possible because uh, you want to see fans that want to come support you be able to come to the games. Everything this club does, and it's really, it's truly mind blowing. Is wherever you go in this city, FC Cincinnati is, is present, uh, and our club should take a lot of credit for that. And the people working in the different departments, because we're completely engaged. We're we're out there all the time. We're we're making appearances, and we embrace the community just as much as they embrace us. But that's why there's a slogan here: "Rise together." It's why this club and the city truly are rising together at the same time. I, I don't want to get into all the politics of this because it's certainly not fair to put you on the spot, but there is the potential of the Ohio Derby with Columbus if Columbus do stay in, in Columbus. Having a state derby, the the passion and like the bragging rights, what, what would that mean to the city? And just what would it mean for, for Ohio to have two teams in MLS battling it out? Talk about special moments. Obviously, next season, 
playing the Whitecaps, that's going to be a special moment for you. Would you prefer that match in Cincinnati? Would you love the chance to, to come to Vancouver for that? And how motivated are you going to be to, to beat the Whitecaps in that one? <laughs> uh, that's a bit of a loaded question. <laughs> uh, no, I'd, I'd love to coach against the Whitecaps. I have so much respect for, for the Whitecaps and, and Carl and his staff gave me an opportunity several years ago and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, my, my family is still in Deep Cove and uh, I think everybody knows I grew up in South Africa but I'm a very, very proud Canadian uh, and I'm a very, very proud Vancouverite too. Um, so uh, it'll be amazing to, uh, to coach against uh, Vancouver. Whether it's here or there, uh, I don't think it makes too much difference but I would love to come uh, coach a game in BC Place at some stage. Uh, I still hold the club very, very dear to my heart and uh, it's always fun to to manage a club that means a lot to you but it's also incredibly special to manage a club uh, well manage a club that's going to go to play against uh, a team that you used to work for too and just the very last thing that so much has now happened in the, the last little while for you just taking a step back and looking at your own personal journey played for SFU went and coached in the States at college coached at SFU and then in, in USL Looking at you now on the cusp of taking a team to MLS, how do you look back at your own personal coaching journey and what does it mean to you right now to, to have this opportunity? Yes, I've gone from coaching in front of a few hundred people to coaching in front of 30,000 plus people uh, and I'm still the same person and I'm still the same coach. You obviously learn different tricks of the trade as you go along the journey. Uh, but I've enjoyed everywhere where I've coached. doesn't really... Uh, I don't get caught up in the, the razzmatazz of things. It's, I love being part of Cincinnati. It's a great place to, to, to work, a great place to, to manage a club. Um, but uh, this is just the journey. There's the twists and turns, and they all go in different directions. And you have your good moments, and you have your tough moments too. And as I said to some of the media last night uh, at the MLS announcement, pain is part of the process too. Uh, this is never easy a A to B uh, journey. You're going to have your ups and downs and you'll have good moments and bad moments and uh, you just got to ride through them and enjoy it as much as you can. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Alan, and I hope you enjoy the, the busy few months that you've got coming up. Really looking forward to seeing what you do with the team, what you build and, and how you, you hit the ground running next year. Always a pleasure to talk to you and hopefully we'll catch up soon. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate the support. Thanks a million. Congratulations to Alan, his team, the players and everyone at FC Cincinnati. Very deserving. Well deserving, yeah, I agree with that. Um, Meteoric rise, three years really. They've done wonders. I'm excited because I've always wanted to go to Cincinnati Zoo. And now I get a chance to do that. You didn't ask him any of the questions I asked you. I did ask him one of them. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. About the Whitecaps at the end there. Oh, there you go. Thing for me, and we touched about this quickly in the interview, and then we'll just wrap this segment up. They currently have a season ticket base of twenty four and a half thousand. 
the initial plans for the new stadium is 21,000. That doesn't That's going to be some people disappointed then. Yeah, it's that. No, they're looking, they're looking at altering well, the stadium. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking that they can try and expand and yeah. go bigger, but it's what they've done there is just fantastic. Really happy for, for Alan getting it so early. They've tapped into the German community. Yes. Well, yeah, they, well, f- yeah, football. Well, I was. Well, I, I'm not a big fan of that, but that's no. that, that's the the key to their success is for sure. They, yeah, they switched from they were a football club, yeah. Cincinnati. Now they're foosball, foosball. club. Last foosball. thing, just in this segment, they're the 26th team in MLS. There's two to go, 27 and 28. Is it Miami 21 of them? No, no, that's they're one of the 26. Oh, one of the so earlier, there's two right, more. Sorry, so right, Na- right. Nashville and Miami. That's and, a part of this. Yeah. So this is all done. Who who do you think quickly are going to be 27 and 28 or who else? I forget who's in the, the fake Detroit. Yeah, Possibly. I think I think they're going to put in fake Detroit because they want to. They need a rivalry. Well, they need a rivalry now. If they need Minnesota to have a rival, Columbus move. I think. Oh yeah, and I think the other one could be Sacramento. No, I Although, think Sacramento's time's gone. Is yeah. it Phoenix? I think might be. Oh, Phoenix! I forgot about. But yeah. Phoenix wasn't Phoenix left off. Garber was talking at what was this or some other thing recently, and he left Phoenix mm. off the list. And people were like, that either means they're out or it means they're they're next. Yeah. And they've uh, got the backing. A wild card, and I don't know if you, this has been mentioned, but Las Vegas. Because of yeah. the success of the hockey ago, team. I would have said ridiculous. Uh, the hockey team is very, has been very successful, and that's not a hockey And the market. lights have actually they've been weird and wacky. They've just added a live DJ to their locker room. It's the latest thing that, they, that they've now done. Can you listen to it? Like, is there a radio station you can listen to? Yes, for the players to get them pumped oh. up. You've got llamas on the pitch. You've got live yeah. DJs. You've got them going to casinos, and they've got a bonus that they're getting money to spend in the right. casinos. Oh, right. Even their underage players. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy stuff. But anyway, that congrats to FC Cincinnati. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it. So we're not going to be right back, but we are going to be back in a couple of days' time. Watch for that coming out as episode 274, and we will bring you our Canadian PL chat our interview with Tommy Wilden. We'll hear from Will Cromack from TSS Rovers and a lot more beside. So just before we go then, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at Zachary AM and I'm part of the Movement Curve Collective. I am Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff, AFTN.ca. Lots of stuff on the Whitecaps, Canadian PL, TSS, tons of stuff going up there this week. So check that out. Give us a follow as well on Instagram at AFTN Soccer. Tune into the preview podcast on Thursday, maybe Friday if we release this as a two-parter. But until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mon everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
Et...